This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. As believers, we say that we love God, but what does that mean? Is loving God something different than we assume? Are there certain requirements of us when we say we love God and we love people? Well, Steve Siefkin shares the biblical definition of love and how we are to show it, because it's the end of the sixth day. The sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. are. What took you so long? Shabbat Shalom to our fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. Yeshua said that if you love me, obey my commandments. And the last time I checked, uh, Yeshua was referred to as the, uh, what, the living word. And when the New Testament was written, the word was the Old Testament. So that means Yeshua, the living word, is the embodiment of the Old Testament, the Torah, right? So which commandments are we talking about here when Yeshua says, obey my commandments? Good question. Steve Siefkin is here to answer that question in episode two of God's Law and the New Covenant. Tonight's teaching is called The God That Does Not Change. Ah, there's something to think about. All right, the calendar, however, has changed since last month, that is, which means we are on the fourth Shabbat of the eighth month on the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. Now, please welcome my co-host for tonight is the CEO of Arud Awakening International, none other than Ted Clayton. Well, thanks, Scott, for being here. I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, you've got an exciting show. As Michaels would normally say, Call your friends, call your neighbors, call your relatives. You're not going to want to miss a moment of tonight's program, so stay with us. You know, we touched on this a little bit last week where we said, you know, uh, what was uh, the, the law, yeah. the, the, the Torah, how was it discussed in your church? And you basically said it wasn't. Well, it, <laughs> like, either, it, you know. either it wasn't discussed or it was discussed that it was replaced. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So uh, it, it never was ever presented in the way. But then again, neither were feasts. I don't know if you grew up Baptist or grew up uh, some other denomination. Uh, how many times when you were growing up did you ever hear about the Feast of the Lord? Yeah. I mean, rarely upon rarely. I think, you know, Passover, okay, we kind of get that one. And we go, right. well, why is it the same type, same time as Easter? But, and we go, well, mm, I don't know. Move on. You yeah, know. But it wasn't called Passover in right. the church. It was called Easter. Yeah, right. Yeah, we didn't even call yeah. it Passover. No, exactly. But we just sort of, well, back then it was Passover. Right. And the Jews still do Passover. We don't know why they do it, but they do. Yeah, right. You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. and, and this is another thing folks don't think about. If Yeshua is called the living word. Mm. What was the word when the New Testament was being written? There was, the, you know, a Paul, I'm sure, would have said, God forbid you call my letters the word. Right. They're just letters. Right. You know, but we call it the word now. And, you know, back then, the Torah, the, the, the prophets, the Tanakh, that was... That, that was the word. And Absolutely. so if Yeshua was being called the word actively in that day, 
Well, what are we talking about here? Well, He's the embodiment of the Torah. Exactly. And, you know, I go back to, to saying the same thing I kind of did last weekend, which was, okay, if we're not going to believe in the Torah, if we're not going to believe in what was embodied in the Old Testament, then, okay, it's okay. Let's go get your Uzi and let's go shoot people. No, it is not okay to do that. And God said so. I mean, it's not okay to lie. It's not okay to covet your neighbor's wife. It's not okay to do these things. Yet, in today's society, it's sadly, so terribly sadly, it's almost become the norm. Yep. I mean, how many days do we hear about people in school shootings? Mm-hmm. I mean, this has gotten to the point of being ridiculous, ladies and gentlemen. It is ridiculous for us to have to turn a television on and hear about kids killing kids. This is not right. And the only way, the only way we're going to get this stuff taken care of is to turn back and open the Bible Mm -hmm. and start teaching our children the things that they're supposed to know. Because if you teach a child, then they grow up as an adult and their adult lives change. So don't ever think that a book doesn't have power, ladies and gentlemen. The book has power, and that book is the Bible. Absolutely, absolutely. People say that, well, the moral, all morality has gone out the window. I was listening to a podcast on the way to, to through the studios here yeah. today, and basically saying that morality has gone out the window because we're so disjointed. We're, mm. Listen to this, watch this. You know, and even you know, my son, when he watches things on uh, Instagram, it's five seconds here, five seconds there. And that's the norm for folks that age. Right. I, I look at that and go, you're making me dizzy. And he's like, right. what? You know, the attention span is like five seconds or more. So, you know, it's, or four, five seconds or less. But to go back and read the Bible, I mean, that seems kind of foreign to folks these days. But that's, you're right. That's why it's all falling apart. Well, well you know, as, as Michael used to say, if you can't read the Bible, go buy the CDs and listen to it. <laughs> Right, you know, you, you've got uh, we got Bible app. I mean, you can you can get right. the the Bible. The U version is what I have on my phone. Yeah, if you don't have time, and I do that sometimes. If I'm mm-hmm. at a workout, yeah. I'll play it. It will play the Psalms or whatever in my head. Even if I'm just listening subconsciously, it's still going in. You and, know, and, and you know what's even better, Scott, is if you've read the Bible and read through it and said, "But wait, I still don't quite get." Uh, some of the things in it. Well, you know what is a better book to go get is the Chronological Gospels. The Chronological Gospels lays things out. Michael spent 40 years of his life putting this book together so that you could see the chronology of what's really going on in the Bible. From there, I mean, you can see Matthew, Mark, you know, it, it's all there. The Acts, the the the... It's just great, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't have the chronological gospels, you need to run right now to the Root Awakening bookstore and go get the chronological gospels because it will help you study the Bible and give you a better awareness of what's going on. It really does. It helps, like Michael says, it helps you play the movie of Yeshua's life in Absolutely. your head because everything's in Absolutely. order. You can almost go day by day and it's almost like a new scene. It's like, yeah. wow, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, talking about uh, the Bible, um, Steve Sifkin brings this out in uh, not only in tonight's teaching, but he mm. also did the love gift for us this month. Which, and, by the way, is fantastic. Oh, it's awesome. It's called the Ten Commandments in America. And we actually put, what you're seeing on the cover here is actually the Ten Commandments in Hebrew. 
uh, from the Isn't Torah. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. We, we had a hard time figuring out if that was actually it or not. We had to get some help, but uh -huh. we did figure it out that this is the, the Ten Commandments. Uh, and uh, on the back here, uh, it's interesting to say that, you know, it, like something he brings out in this teaching is that the gods of this world, we always think that, oh, they were talking about idols. Mm. He's, he says, no, we're not talking about idols. The gods of this world are people at the head of every nation. They're the government. The little mm -hmm. G gods, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and then his question, and Steve's question is, what happens when these little gods don't submit to the big God, Yehovah? That's mm -hmm. where we run into issues. That's God right. has, you know, Yehovah has no problem having little gods on the earth, yeah. providing they are, you know, going through the right protocols, that mm. is obeying him. Right. When we don't, it goes all apart. But this is how the foundation of this country was actually very close to the Torah. And you'll be surprised how close it really was. And that's in uh, this month's Love Gift teaching. So uh, that, that is an amazing thing. We only have a few weeks left of that. So make sure you get in on that. Now, uh, tonight's teaching is from Steve as well. Uh, great teaching all about how uh, the, Yeshua is the living word and why mm. God does not change. Take a look. Loving Jesus, Yeshua, is keeping God's commandments because that's what he did. If he's our example that we should follow after, we should try and keep all of his commandments just like he did. And there you have it. So are there certain requirements of us when it comes to loving God and loving people? Steve Seekin shares the biblical definition of love and how we are to show it. The Kiddush is coming up next, but first pay close attention to this. Idols are not the only type of gods. In fact, when the Bible refers to the gods of this world, it's referring to people at the head of every nation, the government. But what happens when these little gods do not submit to the big God, Yehovah? Every nation is supposed to follow Israel's example, learn from their good and learn from their bad. And that's what mm. we should be doing right now. And right now we're going away from what God set up, and you know how that ends up. It's yeah. not, not a good thing. In a fascinating and eye-opening presentation, Steve Seifkin reveals how the principles of the Torah are not just a matter of faith, but a matter of national law and order, specifically in the United States. The Ten Commandments in America is a special teaching from Michael Rood, our gift to thank you for supporting A Rood Awakening International. When you donate $50 to this ministry in November, we'll send you The Ten Commandments in America with Steve Seifkin on DVD or Blu-ray. Donate $100 and we'll send you two gifts, The Ten Commandments in America, plus a Western wall decoration made of soil from the Holy Land, depicting Psalm 137 verse five in Hebrew. Donate $300 and we'll send you three gifts, The Ten Commandments in America, the Western wall decoration, and a silver-plated Shabbat wine fountain with eight Kiddush cups and an elegant grapevine pattern. These gifts are a limited time offer from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. Get these exclusive thank you gifts when you make a donation to support A Rood Awakening International in November. Call 888-766-3610 or get your gifts online at monthlylovegift.com. The Apostle Paul said that Yeshua nailed the dogmas, the doctrines and commandments of men, of the arche and exousia, 
that he overcame, that he nailed their commandments or man-made dogmas to the cross. And because of that, we are not to allow any of the arche and exousia, any of the religious authorities of men who made up their own commandments to judge us because every one of the feasts of the Lord are prophetic shadow pictures of good things to come. So don't let any pagan, let no religious authority judge you concerning the Sabbath, the new moons. And on the Sabbath, we do not allow the world to judge us and tell us what to do. We know that Yeshua paid the price for us. And the last night he was with his disciples when he took the bread and he blessed the Most High with this blessing. Baruch atah Yehovah, Heleno Melech HaOlam, Hamotzi Lechem Hinaretz. He said, this represents my body, which is now broken for you. As often as you do this, you do it in remembrance of him. And then Yeshua took the cup and he said, this represents the renewed covenant in my blood. This is what this represents. This is what it's always represented. Do this in remembrance of me. And he said that prayer, Baruchatah Yehovah Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Pari HaGafen. Blessed are you, Yahweh, our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And he said, do this in remembrance of me and don't let anyone disparage you. Do this until I come again because I have made you priests and kings. Shabbat Shalom. So when Yeshua came, the old law stopped and the new law started, right? So do either one of them have anything to do with each other? Well, hopefully watching Shabbat Night Live, you know that there are definitely differences, are definitely similarities, but are there any differences? Are, are they the same? Are they different? What are they? Is it a renewed covenant? Is it a new covenant? Steve, Stephen, welcome back to Shabbat Night Live. And uh, let's define this for folks. You have a whole presentation on this as to what is the old covenant, what's the new What's the correlation? And there's even more to it than that. So, Well, sir, um, thank you again for having me. I, I appreciate it. Uh, I've titled this uh, teaching that I do, The God That Does Not Change. Because mm. over and over through the scripture, you know, we see that God doesn't change. You know, I think it's uh, Micah says, I am Yehovah, Yahweh, I change not. But all of a sudden in the New Testament, he's done all these changes. And that doesn't, you know, strike a chord with us sometimes. Like, wait mm. a second. Is that the way it looks like God changed here? Is that <laughs> just because the way we're defining what change is, and we think God has changed, and really He hasn't? I mean, I don't think there's any difference between the new covenant and the old covenant, and that's where I want to get to eventually today, because um, we need to define it through contract terms covenant terms. And uh, there's a very specific way of doing that. And when you break it down, everything falls into place. And the scripture directly tells you the answer to this. And we just miss it. Now in the new covenant, we have an advantage. We've seen God's plan. 
We're looking at it after the fact. So there's a big advantage. So that might be a difference. But it's the same covenant. It's the same thing. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's a different covenant. The old covenant ended. We're in a different covenant, but it has the same terms and conditions. Mm. And that's the way I would like to look at it, to be okay. honest. That's, yeah, that's where I'd like to go. Yeah, take us through this. That sounds fascinating. Okay, there's the verses I was looking for. Malachi 3.6. It wasn't Micah, it was Malachi. <laughs> for I am Yehovah, I change not. And even the Messiah, it says, you know, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, was the same yesterday and today and forever. Very important, prominent figures don't change. You know, that, that's pretty significant. Uh, our duty in the Old Covenant, apparently, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, I think I quoted it last time, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Mm. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. I like that word duty. It's our responsibility, our purpose. That's a very big statement for Solomon to make. Did that change? Because today we kind of think, well, yeah, it's changed. I don't have to keep the commandments. But I don't think so, and I think we've missed something that I'd, I'd like to try and clarify. Well, the whole duty of man, that kind of sums up our lives, pretty much. It's everything. It's, 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 it's everything that we're supposed to be about is obeying God and keeping his commandments. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, you get a new believer, and we steer them away from that. And, uh, you know, I'd like to be a part of steering people back to that. So um, I'd like to look at some of the covenants, if you don't mind. There's three I would really like to focus on. The Old Covenant, the New Covenant, and then the Abrahamic Covenant. The Abrahamic Covenant will give us the answer. And Paul told us all about it in the book of Galatians. In fact, this is why people misunderstand the book of Galatians. It's yeah. often people will say, well, the law of God's abolished. We don't have to keep it anymore. Just read the book of Galatians. And the truth is when you look at it through... Paul's eyes, through a lawyer's eyes, it, does, it says nothing but the opposite of that. It's, it's, it's actually endorsing God's law. You know, that, that's interesting. So you mentioned Paul, and something just struck a chord with me. In, in certain versions of the Bible, we see the Pharisees referred to as lawyers, right? And we, we look at that, and maybe in, in our Western world, we're not sure what to think of that. But now <laughs> that we think of it like this, you know, Paul was the, if you want to put it that way, the lawyer of lawyers, Yes, he, he was. He was. He knew the whole law. He memorized the whole law. So he was a lawyer, and he knows what is required to keep the law. And then try to take that to this ragtag bunch of Greeks and try, <laughs> and try and teach them that. Well, now I kind of understand his struggle. But anyway, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, so if you way. don't mind, I'd like to go yeah. through the covenants. But I'd like to start. You can't understand the covenants without first understanding what love is. And we misunderstand that word because our definition of love today is different than in the scripture. And I'm sure most people are aware there's two primary words for love. The first one's phileo. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you look up in a Greek dictionary, that's, uh, I, I use strongs here, and it's uh, to be a friend to, that is have affection for. That's what we think love means. You say you love somebody, that means I care about this person very much. You have a strong feeling towards them. But that's really not what the Bible means by love most of the time. The other word is agape. We've heard of that one. It's a very popular word, but I think love is a very poor definition of that word. Mm. And it's unfortunate that there's two different words in Greek here, and they mean two different things. So I want to go through some definitions, if you don't mind. Strong says a very similar thing here. Love, that is affection or benevolence. 
But that's like at the beginning, a very simplified definition. You got to dig deeper. You use some better Greek sources. Strong's, I like Strong's, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's a very simplified dictionary. It's more of a concordance and it helps to define some of the words. Uh, this is what Spyro Zodiati said in his complete word study dictionary. Agape means love, affectionate regard, goodwill, benevolence. With reference to God's love, it is God's willful direction toward man. It involves God doing what he knows is best for man and not necessarily what man desires. Hmm. So like a parent with, with a child. Or, yes, exactly. Okay. It's more of what we would call tough love. Hmm. But it's even more than that. And we're coming to one of my favorite definitions. This is Professor William Barclay. He wrote a book called New Testament Words. And when he defined agape, he nailed it. And I, I just love this definition. He said, agape has to do with the mind. You know, we always think of it as a heart thing. But agape has to do with the mind. It is not simply an emotion which rises unbidden in our hearts. It is a principle by which we deliberately live. Mm. That's key. Principle by which we deliberately live. It's your mind. It's, it's an intent. Agape has supremely to do with the will. It is a conquest, a victory, and achievement. This is why John defined love as, if you love me, keep my commandments. Over and over again, he said that, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. That's 2 John 1, 6. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. John got this from the Torah, and over and over again in the Torah, it says, them that love me and keep my commandments. You can probably find a couple dozen quotes like that. Them that love me and keep my commandments. Love means keeping God's commandments. So this principle by which we deliberately live that William Barclay's talking about is that focus towards keeping God's commandments. And I'm not just talking some, I'm talking all of them. We, we have grace not to break God's law, we have grace to learn God's law. And that's where, where everyone's at right now. We're all at a different place trying to figure God's commandments out. In fact, that chart I shared last time where I broke them all down, that was me trying to figure them out. And I still remember my family, we got to figure out how to keep these. Which one can we do? And it was the one that said, put my 10 commandments on your doorposts and on your gate. I can do that, <laughs> order up a 10 commandment plaque, put it out on our front yard at the time we lived in a tract home mm -hmm. and uh, put it up on our door and things were great. So love means keeping the commandments. But you might be wondering, what does that have to do with covenant? Mm, yes. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, yeah, no, sorry. please. I was gonna say, it's just a different way to think about uh, that you have to understand love before you can understand the, the covenants. Now, you said that in the very beginning of, of this episode, and I didn't understand. Now that you mentioned that, okay, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You, in order to love God, <laughs> we need to obey. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's what I mean. That Our definition of love, translating it as love, kind of steers us the wrong direction because we think of love here in your heart as a feeling. But you look at the Greek experts, they say, no, it's up here. It's mm. a purposeful direction you're going. Mm. And John said that direction is the commandments. So we need to start stop separating the Messiah from the commandments. They're one and the same. Loving Jesus, Yeshua, 
is keeping God's commandments because that's what he did. If he's our example that we should follow after, we should try and keep all of his commandments just like he did. We're going to fail. We're not going to get to where he got to. But that, that doesn't change the fact that that's, that's our goal. That's the race we're running is trying to get to there. Mm. Okay, so I often put it as to someone. Sorry, one one no, example. Ahead, I'll let you move on, but it's you know I have to think of these things in analogies. So I think of as um, a pitcher. If he pitches the perfect baseball game, does that mean we stop playing baseball? No, we, we try and <laughs> be. If we're a pitcher, we try to be like that pitcher. I want to pitch the perfect game like he did. We may never do it, but we don't stop playing baseball. We just keep doing it. That, yeah. We're supposed to do what he did. Right? Yes, that's, that a was, great, that's a great analogy. I really like that. I'm probably mm. going to use it sometime. No, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so, if you don't <laughs> mind, I want to steal that Take from it. you. Yeah. But that's a good analogy. We, we, we want to think, oh, well, Jesus did it for me, so I'm, I'm in the clear. I don't have to do it. No, mm. he's the person. We're, we're, we're shooting for him. Mm-hmm. We're trying to get to, to Yeshua, to, 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 to the Messiah, so that we can be just like he was. And, in fact, the Bible directly tells us we're... We want to be like him. When we're glorified, we're going to be like him. We're, everything's trying to be like him. Mm. That's the point. So covenants. Um, you're probably familiar with the Hebrew word. It's barith. I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but I'm not sure. It means a compact confederacy covenant league. That's what Strong's Dictionary says. We would just call this a contract today. Mm. It's simply a contract. Sometimes we like to go, oh, it's a religious contract. It means something else. It, it really doesn't when you look up the, hmm. the Hebrew definition. It just means a contract. And uh, I like the way Bovier's Law Dictionary puts it. There's four elements to all contracts. You'll find all four of these elements right in the Bible. Because hmm. our law comes from the scripture. James said that. There's only one lawgiver. And every law after that comes from his law. And we either follow suit with his law or we leave it. And that's the problem is we're, we're, we're leaving it right now. Uh, there's four elements to all contracts. There's an offer. They sometimes call it a tender offer. Uh, there's acceptance. Someone's got to make an offer then someone has to agree to it. Contract's not a contract until that happens. Mm. There's always a time limit. How long does this last for? And then finally, there's consideration. That's a compensation to be paid to by one or both parties. Hmm. Love is the consideration of the contract. It's that fourth element. That's what John was saying. Keeping the commandments is our duty. It's our consideration. God's consideration is love too. Blessings and curses. To those he loves, he disciplines. Hmm. Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28, all the blessings and curses. This is not unlike buying a stock or a house. I mean, it's the same thing, that those same four steps are, are there yeah, w- from the Bible. We're making a deal with God, and yeah. he's going to keep his end of the deal. The problem is we don't, and that's mm-hmm. what we call breach of contract. Breach of contract is when you break one of the obligations, and that's where I mentioned, I don't know if it was today or not, but <laughs> penal laws, penalties, there's two obligations. We breached the first one, now we get the penalty. Mm. You keep the first one, God's going to give you a blessing. It's just that simple. Right. And when we ignore that, gosh, it affects our life here and now. It affects how we live right now and the blessings that we have in this life right now. Right. And it's not the curse is, is a law. The cur- Some people miss, like you, you mentioned that last week. So not that the curse of the law is not that the law is a curse. There is a curse for breaking yes. the law. Yeah. So, curse of that, that is, yeah. When Paul says the curse of the law, he's not saying the law is a curse. He's saying 
the law has a curse. Right, there's an associated and, with yes. it. Yeah, and he directly says that in Galatians chapter mm. three. And we're, we're just trained because of what we've been taught to just gloss right over that. So if you don't mind, let's look at some of the covenants, the Mosaic covenant. I want to find these four elements in the Mosaic covenant. That's okay. what I want to do in all the covenants. Okay, God tendered an offer. He did so in Exodus 19. From Exodus 19 through 24, God's saying, hey, I want to make a deal with you guys. I'd like to offer you this deal. Here's my Ten Commandments and all my statutes and judgments. What do you think? And I'll be your God. You can be my people. The people accepted it in Exodus 24, 7, when they said, all that Yahweh has said, we will do and be obedient. All that Yehovah has said, we will do and be obedient. Like so a marriage contract. It. What's that? Like, it is, like a marriage it, it's contract. It's just right? like a marriage contract. Yeah. In fact, it's compared to a marriage covenant mm -hmm. all the time. But there's these elements in each each part of it. The time is forever. I know you've, I mean, dozens of times in the scripture it says, this covenant's forever. My mm -hmm. law is forever. It's never going to disagree. In fact, the Messiah said the same thing in Matthew 5. We mentioned it uh, last week. Uh, forever until Jesus, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> until the Messiah comes. But that's Galatians 3 also. And mm. the penalties are what are until the Messiah comes. Exactly. Once okay. you have Messiah, the penalties disappear. The consideration, our duty is obedience. Thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments. God's duty are blessings and curses. For whom Yahweh, Yehovah loves, he corrects. It's just like a contract. It's just like the way Bovier described contracts. Um, we need to keep our end of the deal and God will give us blessings. Mm -hmm. Look at America. The farther we leave God's commandments, the more curses we get. And curses is such a bad word. Penalties. Mm -hmm. The more penalties. It sounds so bad to us to say curse. You know, it's so but, funny. People look at, so there, there's business people out there who are not necessarily Christians, yet they're being blessed over and over and over and over again. And I, I know folks that look at that and go, how can that be? That person is not even a believer. But you look, even if that person is not aware that they're obeying God's laws in their business practices, they will be blessed. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a, it's a, it's, it's a, just natural. It's, a law. it's just <laughs> his law governs the entire universe. Yeah, and you do what's right, you're going to get a blessing. Mm -hmm. You do what's wrong, you're going to get a curse. Now, there's a lot of people out there that do what's wrong and they lie and cheat and steal and do things, and, and they may make a lot of money, but that doesn't mean their quality of life is really good. I, I would, I would challenge that. Mm -hmm. uh, even I think David in the Psalms kind of lamented saying, why, why are these people doing so well? I, I think in the long run, you'll see, wow, these are, these are huge yeah. blessings, you know, that, that I'm receiving for being obedient. Maybe not riches, not gold and silver, but just blessings, a, a life that you thoroughly enjoy. Mm, yep. So when the offer was ratified, he said, throughout your generations, over and over again, God said, throughout your generations. Today, we just say it inures to the heirs and the signs forever. You ever wonder why you and I are kind of bound to that constitution thing? I wasn't there, were you? I was not there. No, we weren't <laughs> there, but it inures to the heirs and the signs forever. This is what's called an adhesion contract. That's a type of contract where one side has all the bargaining power. Mm. All of it. You and I, we can't say, well, you know, I don't like that part of the Constitution. I don't like this part either. Let's just cross that out and change it. It's the same thing with God's law. It's a take it or leave it contract. God wrote the contract and all we can do is agree or disagree. Hmm. There is no negotiation with God. This is why I say it's every commandment or none. 
We, we can't go to God and say, you know what, I don't, I don't like this one. I'm going to find a way where the New Testament gets rid of these dietary laws. Because, you know, I, I had to give up shrimp. That was one of my favorite things to eat. And I gave it up because, well, I can't find a way. If you're, if you're studying it truthfully, you will not find a way to get rid of the dietary laws. And that's one of the reasons why. It's a take it or leave it contract. Mm -hmm. God's law is all or none. Makes sense. Wow. Okay, that, that's great. Well, tell you what, let's, we're going to go into the, the, the new covenant next, right? Yes. Okay, so let's do that after the break. Hold the thought. And uh, we're, this is, fa I'm fascinated. I love this. Okay, so we are talking about the new covenant, the old covenant, and the Abrahamic covenant. Yes. Abrahamic, I always have a problem with that. It is, it's, it's a tongue twister. Uh, yeah, okay, <laughs> we'll get to it. Steve will do it better than I will. Anyway, <laughs> thank you for bringing Steve here. I'm thanking you because you did it with your donations. That's how we do this. That's how we keep Shabbat Night Live going. Thank you for donating now so that others can see this into the future. We'll give you a couple of minutes. We'll be right back. Well, thank you for making Shabbat Night Live happen. It's because of your support. We can sit here and talk about the Abrahamic covenant, or maybe easier to say, the covenant of promise. We're going to get to that a little bit later. But we just finished talking about the old covenant. We're going to talk about the new covenant. Sometimes people don't even like calling them old and new because it's like, like you said, it's essentially the same thing. So uh, tell us about the new covenant now. We've, we've learned about the old. What do we need to know about the new? Well, I was hoping to do the same thing I did uh, previously with the Old Covenant and just show the four elements to see that it's a contract that we're agreeing to and the same terms and conditions apply. Okay, In Let's the New Covenant, God made an offer. He did it at the, the Last Supper. The, the Messiah said, hey, this is the blood of the New Covenant. Uh, what I didn't mention of the Old, it wasn't ratified until they did the burnt offering. The blood of the covenant is what it's called. Right. The Messiah did this in his own blood. Um, we're not going to get into and, how the difference is there because it, it, it. But it's the same though, really. I mean, the the, the blood of the or it, the offending party must die. That, yes. that, that was the, the sacrifice there, and Yeshua gave himself. There, there's there's a lot of similarities. The blood of the covenant is the key thing, but um, I have a few different opinions as to what that meant. Okay. It, 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 and it would be something to talk about at a different time. But, okay. All right. uh, sorry, I should have never brought it up. But God made the offer. This is the blood of the New Testament, the New Covenant. Okay, and the people, you know, the, the apostles accepted when they drank of it. You know, they, when, when they believed him and said, okay, we'll, we'll accept it. Um, the time is forever. And over and over again, Jeremiah 32, 40, this is one of them. And I will make an everlasting covenant. Mm. So the covenant's forever, but... If you break it, because the old covenant was forever, mm -hmm. but there was a breach of contract involved, and that that can end the covenant, and mm. and that's what Jehovah did, is end the covenant. But the time of the new covenant is forever. It says it dozens of times in the old co in the uh, in the scripture. The consideration is the same. Our obedience over and over again in the in the scripture it says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Mm -hmm. That's our duty. That's our responsibility. That's what Solomon said. Mm. The conclusion of the whole matter, fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. That's contract language right there. Yep. That's our duty. It's the consideration. God's duty again is discipline, blessings and curses. And what I always find interesting Hebrews 12, 6 says, For whom Yahweh, Yehovah, loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. This is for mm. the new covenant, but he's quoting the old. Originally, that was for the old covenant, but he's quoting it to endorse the new covenant, which is why I concluded these are the same thing. It's not the same covenant. The old's over, but the new one is the same thing. 
It's a new covenant. Renewed might be okay to say, but it's really totally different, but it's the same thing. Just mm. different, different time, new covenant, uh, different than the old. Um, so this is love. It's the consideration of the contract, keeping God's commandments. Mm -hmm. And his duty is to discipline those whom he loves, those who keep his commandments. It's when a we tough fail, love you were talking it about It is before. tough love. It's, it's agape. It's, it, it's very unfortunate. I don't think we have an English word that adequately translates agape, but mm -hmm. it's doing what is right no matter what. That's got to be our mindset. Doesn't matter what, the, whatever the consequences, how hard it's going to be for me, I'm going to keep God's commandments. And sometimes, you know, we're lucky we're in America. We can do that without any consequences. We can do that. More and, and more, it's becoming. Uh, it's tough. getting harder and harder. Yeah. But uh, we can do that here in America. So we're very blessed. Um, that's one of the reasons why I look at this as a national law. Our nation is supposed mm. to keep God's commandments. When the nation leaves, it gets harder and harder for us to keep doing that. And you see that in Israel too. Mm -hmm. Throughout the Old the Old Testament, a bad king comes, righteous people had to look at the prophets, how hard it got for them when Ahab was president. Mm. King. <laughs> I yeah. use the word president. Well, I, think, and the, I compare them to the same, they're the same position here in America. And the duty of, of the people, I mean, of the individual is important as well. I know in some of your other teachings online on YouTube, you say that, you know, Israel is not to be, is not to be worshiped. You know, they made mistakes just like we did. So it, it's up to the individual, not even just the king. Yeah, you've got a bad king, things go badly, but it's still up to the individual to keep God's law. Yes, and, and I mentioned uh, earlier, probably last, last show, um, God makes way of es ways of escape when your nation's going the wrong direction. For us to, you know, you might look at it like a loophole. There's always a way in the law, I'm going to keep it. And here in, in America, we've got three big ones. We've got First Amendment. Uh, Seeger versus United States says directly, there's a higher loyalty than loyalty to this nation. That yeah. is loyalty to God. You can go to court, hey, the Supreme Court said, I need to be loyal to God over this nation. And it's true. Mm. <laughs> and then there, there's a, um, another one that I might actually get to in another presentation. It's Public Law 97-280. And uh, President, um, why can't I think of his name? Reagan. The year of the Bible, 1983. And it's just paragraph after paragraph mm praising God's law here in America. Wow. It's just amazing. I'd like to read it if we get the chance. Not today. I think it's the maybe next episode. So you know, how many of us don't, I didn't know that. How many of us don't know these things? Yeah. And I think that's part of the problem is we just don't know our, never mind, the, our own laws and, and what our rights are in this country. But we don't know God's law either. It's just this, this, uh, this inadequate knowledge of the law that leads us astray. We, don't, we just don't know. Yeah, it, it's a real law for nations to follow right here, right now. Mm. And too often we think of it as a religious law for churches or synagogues or someone to keep. It's not that at all. It's for nations. God made it for the nation of Israel, and that's how it should be, is for a nation. And America started that way, and we've done exactly what Israel did. We left it. Mm. And we're reaping the consequences right now. Okay, the, the, the only difference some people say between the new and the old covenant is the Holy Spirit. God provides a helper. Now, I would argue that the Holy Spirit was in the Old Testament too. You see it all the time, but 
The point I would like to make is what Ezekiel said in Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. He said, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. The Holy Spirit's job in the new covenant as well is to help us keep God's commandments. That spirit, that intent, that drive, remember when we defined spirit? Our purpose now, our intent, our drive is to keep the commandments. That's our hmm. duty. That's hmm. what Solomon said. The whole and duty of man. The whole duty of man. And that's the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to teach us his commandments and get us closer and closer to be just like our Messiah who kept every single one. Wow. That's the goal. Hmm. But you might ask, what's the difference between the old and the new? Well, Hebrews answers that question for us, okay? In Hebrews 8, it says, But now has he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also uh, he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. Immediately you think, the new covenant's different. It's better. Better promises, better covenant. But is it? If you continue reading, it, it really doesn't say that. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, the fault with the old covenant was them, the people. Yehovah kept his covenant. The people broke it. And Nothing he got wrong to, with the covenant. <laughs> the, the covenant was fine. It's right. just like the new covenant. The covenant was fine. There was no problem with it. Uh, later in the verse, he says, the reason why is because they continue not in my covenant. The reason the old covenant failed has nothing to do with the covenant, has nothing to do with Yehovah, has everything to do with the people. They stopped keeping it. And there was one thing they were missing. And later in Hebrews, I think it answers it. Hebrews 8, 6 says, um, why did they break the covenant? Well, here's the answer. Let us therefore fear lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as them. Mm. Do you know the gospel was preached in the Old Testament? The gospel of Jesus, Yeshua, was preached in the Old Testament. We miss that when we read the scriptures. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. The problem in the old covenant was they didn't believe it. They didn't trust it. They didn't, they weren't faithful. They didn't believe it. If you want to keep your end of the deal, you've got to really believe it. You can't just say, well, I'm going to keep God's law and just kind of do it begrudgingly. No one's going to do that. You've got to really believe it. That's what the Holy Spirit's job is. Mm. It changes our purpose to His. And now we want to obey His commandments. Now we love His commandments. I love the dietary laws. I didn't when I first started them, but now I love them. And there's all kinds of purpose behind it that we don't see until we start doing them. Absolutely. Because we see all these things, and now, of course, modern science tells us, well, these are, as Michael calls them, the garbage trucks of the world. Yes. The shrimp, the lobster, the pig, all those type of things. We're not to eat them because they clean up the trash that we don't have to deal with. Yeah. They're a part of nature, but it doesn't mean we have to partake of them, and that's why we're not supposed to eat them. Yes, and to put it in national perspectives, we have dietary laws here in America. We have regulations for how our, I, I, I go to a restaurant, I see the A grade and how they, they, they do sanitary things. We do the same things. How ours match up to what 
God said to do is the key. Right. You That's know, why you don't eat at a C-minus restaurant. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, we're really not breaking a lot of them. You right. know, pork, shellfish. For the most part, we might leave too much fat in our meat. You can argue, yep. you know. Buzzards, but, alligator, camels. Yeah, yeah, we don't do most of that. There's a lot of nations that eat a lot more stuff they shouldn't. America's really pretty close to what God said. Now, we're leaving it, and we have the freedom to eat it if we wanted to, but you're not going to find a lot of stuff in the grocery store that other nations eat. It's not allowed to be in the grocery store. Interesting. So our law does that, but the individual, you know, if, if they chose to do it, they probably could. Okay? But they, they didn't, uh, the old covenant failed because they didn't have faith. They didn't believe it. They did not mix it with faith. Just like Paul, or whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, I said Paul, but... I'm not sure who it was. <laughs> um, there's the fall. Man fell, Genesis chapter 3. Then there's this thing called the promise. And we skip over that a lot, but there's a promise that God made to Abraham. That's a covenant. And I think we need to understand that to distinguish the difference between the old and the new. Then there's the old covenant. God made a deal with Moses and all the people. Then God wrote a bill of divorce and said, you guys are in breach of covenant. I'm done. And he severed the contract. He severed the marriage contract, the marriage covenant. And then the Messiah came and Judah killed him. The Bible directly says, whom the Jews killed. They, they, they took care of that. Well, there's two ways to end a marriage covenant, divorce or death. Their bridegroom is now dead. So the old covenant is gone. Doesn't exist, obsolete, does not exist. I know a lot of people think they might want to hear that. Oh, great. That's why we don't need to keep the law. The problem is the new covenant has the law. So that ushered in the new covenant. But like we just went over, same duties, same responsibility. It's the same covenant. Mm. It's not exactly the same because it's a different time, different different words. They put, put together the same terms and conditions, but the old one's gone. And now we're sitting here waiting for the second coming. And that's where we're at in this new covenant couple of questions. Where was the gospel preached in the Old Covenant? Remember when we saw that in Hebrews? Bible answers it for us. It says, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Well, where? Paul tells us in Galatians to Abraham. Galatians 3.8 says, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, hmm. saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. Well, we remember Abraham in, early in the book of Genesis now to Abraham, Galatians 3.16 says, and his seed were the promises made. He said not to seeds, plural, as of many, but as of one. When God was telling Abraham, I'm going to bless your seed, that's singular. He's saying, I'm going to give you a Messiah. This is the gospel preached unto Abraham. I'm going to give you this Messiah and he's going to take care of this sin problem for you. How many people miss that? You know, I like, think a lot. I missed yeah. it for years. Mm -hmm. But... That's one person that's going to take care of the sin problem and solve it for us. And he goes on to say, and I think I have the next verse up here. Oh, it's, it's more of the same. Unto your seed will I give this land, and in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That's a singular person. One person's coming in the future. It's going to bless everybody. Mm. It's not the nation. It's not Israel. It's one person is going to. Now, Israel should have done it. <laughs> they should have been a blessing to all the nations. They were challenged to do it. But 
This gospel was preached to Abraham hmm. prior to the New Testament. So where do we find faith in this timeline that I have up here? It's the covenant of promise. That's the covenant of faith. The problem with the old covenant, they didn't believe the covenant of promise. Mm. And Paul hammers that in the book of Galatians. They, you can't disannul the covenant that was 400 years prior because you came up with this new covenant. You can't just get rid of it. The terms and conditions apply to that one. So I'd like to look at the, the um, covenant of promise next, if you don't mind. Please. So the Abrahamic covenant. God tendered an offer. He said, unto your seed shall all the nations be blessed. If thou be able to number them, he said, so shall thy seed be. So he's talking about a whole bunch of people. Abraham accepted when he believed God and he believed in Yahweh, Yehovah, and he counted it to him for righteousness. This is Genesis 15, 6. A deep sleep fell upon Abram and the covenant was ratified when this burning lamp went between the two pieces. I don't know, this is a very familiar story, but this was a custom used in making and confirming covenants. A calf or some other creature were cut in pieces and the parts laid in order and the covenantees passed between these parts, signifying thereby that if they did not fulfill the engagements they entered into, they imprecated to be cut to pieces as that creature was. This little thing turned into what we know as the burn offering. Mm -hmm. The burn offering was a covenant ratification offering. It was how you'd notarize a contract, basically, in the, in the Old Testament. And uh, that's what God did. He passed through. Abraham sleeping, God passed through. Mm -hmm. in, in fact, in Jeremiah, he says the same thing. Um, he, he's calling out the, the, the princes and the people in, in charge of Israel, saying, uh, you broke my covenant when they cut the calf in twain and passed between the parts thereof. So this ratified a contract, a mm -hmm. ratified a, co a covenant. The time was forever. It's an everlasting covenant. Over and over again, it says that. Genesis 17, 7 says that. Just one time. The consideration? Well, this one's different. This is a unilateral contract. God's the only one that passed through. Abraham's sleeping. God's the only one that has a duty. We don't have a duty to this one other than just believing it, trusting mm. it. This is the covenant of faith. God said, I'm going to bring you a Messiah, and you can't do anything to stop it. He's coming. It's going to happen because I never break my contract. You guys do, but I don't. And it's going to happen. And if you just believe him, you'll walk righteously with me. And that's what we're missing. The old covenant, they could have had it, but they didn't believe the Abrahamic covenant. They didn't know that God's bringing a Messiah, that if they believe and trust in Yehovah and his Messiah, they're going to have that drive, that intent, that purpose to keep God's commandments. The new covenant, we see what God did. We know the sacrifice he made. It's a little easier for us probably. But in the old covenant, they did it the same way. And the problem with the old is they didn't mix it. You have to have both. Old covenant, covenant of promise. It's the only way it works. The new covenant, you still have to have the covenant of promise. But we've got him right there. He showed up live and in the flesh. Isn't that funny how everybody concentrates on the new covenant and the old covenant, but really it's the covenant even before that. 
that ties them both together. Yes, it does. And the failure of the old was they didn't have faith, faith yeah. which is the covenant of promise. Mm. Putting our faith in that Messiah. They didn't have all the details. They didn't know who this Messiah would be. Abraham did. Abraham saw his day. Mm -hmm. We know that from the Gospel of John. Everybody else didn't see his day. I don't know if Abraham had a vision or not. Who knows mm -hmm. what that means? But... They had less information, yet they were required to have faith and believe. We have an advantage, yet we're ignoring. We're still not walking in God's commandments today because mm -hmm. that's where they failed because they broke the covenant. Today, we're teaching people to break the covenant. We're saying it's okay. We're saying it's good. And, and you know that kind of grieves my heart to think, I, I have to admit, I did that. My first 16 years, I, I remember teaching Awana. You know, the, the young kids, I think they were junior high, and teaching them, oh, yeah, those, back then I said 613, 613 commandments. Uh, we don't have to keep those anymore. And I even scrolled them up on a, on a slide saying, yeah, we don't need to do those anymore. You know, mm. Jesus took care of that for us. And right among those are murder, adultery. And I'm sitting here saying, you don't need to keep them. Mm. Kind of grieves my heart to think back to then, but I'm, I'm glad I'm where I'm at now. I'm glad I yeah. realized God's commandments are that important. You know, I'm thinking of something that Yeshua said when, when we invite him to be with us. You know, he will come in and, and sup with us and sup with him. And I, I go back to that. There's an, uh, an example with Abraham where Melchizedek or Melchizedek, the righteous came, came to him. What did they do? They just, they broke bread. They had a meal. He left, but Abraham invited him in, and just, that's all he had to do. He didn't know who this guy was, but okay, come on in, right? Yeah. That, that, that same spirit of faith. I'm not sure what he's gonna do or who he is, but he's, I'm gonna invite him in. Yes, and just, absolutely, and yeah. faith, that's why I, I think faith is such a big word. Faith always leads to obedience. Those who, yeah. are, who have faith are faithful. That's what the word means, and, and James even said, oh, even the demons believe. But mm -hmm. they tremble because they just believe up here. Their actions haven't changed. Right. You and I, we, we need to believe up there. It has to start there. But true belief is going to change who we are. And that's what James goes on to talk about. We look in that perfect law of liberty, that mirror, to change who we are. And until we have that drive, that purpose, faith isn't doing its job in our life. Mm. And that's where they failed in the old way. And if you just think about it, if you don't really believe it, you're not going to do it. Oh. You're not going to do it until you really believe it. Perfect. Come back and talk to us next week about this. I think you've got a lot more to, to talk about here, and uh, I, I think we need to do more. Yeah. Okay, great. That would right. be awesome. Thanks, Steve. All right, thank you for joining us on Shabbat Night Live. We will see you next week. Until then, Shavuot Tov. Mm -hmm.